G'day, my name is Jeff. It's my great privilege to look with you at uh, the book of Ephesians, a new series that we're beginning today. Can I encourage you to have a Bible open at the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 to 14. We're going to read it, try to think about what it means and how it applies to us. Uh, you should also have uh, an outline that was on the service program that hopefully you've downloaded during the week. That'll give you an idea of where we're going as well. Let's pray and we'll ask God to help us. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your mercy and kindness to us. Thank you for giving us your word. Will you please open our hearts now to understand what your word says. Help us to, to take to heart what we learn. Please thrill us again by the greatness of what you have done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen. Well, at the end of the year 2000, my wife Carmen and I, we went on a holiday. We went to a place called Heron Island. Now, Heron Island is up in Queensland. It's an island on the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, during the holiday, I went scuba diving. I did a, did, a, did a training course at the resort and then went out on a boat and uh, out onto the reef. We went to a place called the Bommy. Quite a famous place to dive. In fact, I understand uh, Jacques Cousteau rated it one of the top 10 dives in the world. I vividly remember. I put my head under the water and I was confronted with the most amazing, spectacular sight. Coral of all kinds of shapes and colour, myriads of, 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 of amazing looking fish, uh, even things like eels, stingrays I saw, uh, I saw turtles, I, I even saw a reef shark. I have to admit, I found the experience quite overwhelming. I felt like, oh, it's, it, 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 it's too much to take in. And what I did, I ended up going again the next day, uh, back to the same spot, and again I was blown away, blown away. As I looked around, as I saw this whole new world that I didn't even know existed, I was pretty much speechless. All I could do was look around and think, wow. Um, no surprise, the, the Barrier Reef is considered to be one of the great natural wonders of the world. It really is quite wonderful, quite extraordinary. Have you ever had an experience something like that? Have you ever seen something so magnificent that all you can do is, is, is sit back and say, wow. Maybe you've seen the Grand Canyon or Michelangelo's David or the Great Wall of China or the pyramids or Mount Everest or, or, or the Northern Lights. Maybe if, you, maybe if you was a bit different, maybe if you was the time you went to see a circus or a concert. Maybe you heard... Luciano Pavarotti sing Nessun Dorma. Have you ever had that kind of experience, the kind of experience that is so wonderful, so overwhelmingly magnificent, that all you can do is sit back and say, wow. 
Well, today we begin this series, this new series, on the letter to the Ephesians. This letter it was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote it in around about 60 AD, and it seems that, as he wrote, he was in jail in Rome. He was imprisoned for telling people about Jesus. Now, Paul starts off the letter by introducing himself, and, and he makes clear from the outset that he, he's not just any ordinary person. No, no. God has willed to make Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus appeared to Paul and he personally commissioned him to tell the world the good news about his death and resurrection. Paul got the message from the horse's mouth, so to speak, from Jesus himself. And so, what Paul says, what Paul writes here, this is the original, authorised, God-given truth about Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Have a look with me. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Next thing, Paul addresses his readers. He says that they are God's holy people, literally literally saints. And he says that they are believers, full of faith in, in Jesus. Now, if you read the NIV, it, it sounds like he's talking about just one group of people, saints who are believers. But interestingly, the NIV it actually leaves out one word. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read it to you in the King James Version. So you look at it in the NIV whatever version you've got there, but see if, you can, see if you can hear the missing word. So continuing in verse 1, I'm reading from the King James Version. To the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Did you, did you hear the missing word? And. What's going on here? Is Paul writing to one group of people? like the NIV would, would say, is, it, is this saints who are believers or is he writing to two groups of people? Saints and believers. In which case, who are the saints and, 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 and who are the believers? Well, let's keep reading and we'll see if it becomes clearer. In verse 2, in verse 2, uh, Paul greets his readers, and it really, it, it, it's, it's a gospel greeting. He, he wishes, he, he, he prays that, uh, that God, Father and Son, will show them kindness, grace, and, and, and give them peace, harmony with God and, and harmony with each other, harmony with man. Verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, writing to the saints and believers, Wishes them peace. Next, Paul launches into a prayer. This is a prayer of praise to God. And in the original language, it's actually all one sentence. 202 words in this one sentence. Uh, praise to God just kind of tumbles out of Paul's mouth. He, he, he praises God. He praises God because God has given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ to us couple of things to think about as we as we read the passage first who is the us 
we know it's Paul and somebody else, some other people, but, 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 but who? Who is it that has all of these blessings? Well, here's another question to think about. What is a spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ? A spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. Well, uh, Jesus, Christ, he is in the heavenly realms. He, he, he lived here on earth, he died on the cross, he rose again from the dead, and he ascended to the right hand of God. He is in the heavenly realms. And, and in Jesus, because of Jesus, the people Paul is talking about, they have blessings. Blessings, that is, um, good things. Good things. Uh, not so much blessings you can touch, not, not physical blessings, but, but spiritual blessings. Let's look, let's look at the verse. Uh, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And now in this, this, this tumbled sentence of praise, Paul starts to name these spiritual blessings that God has given. First, uh, first he takes us back to eternity past, before God even made the world. Paul says that God chose these people to be, literally, saints and blameless before them. He, uh, saints and blameless before him. He, he chose them to be, to be clean, to be pure, to be acceptable before him. Also says that God decided way back before creation that, that these people would be his children. Now, again, just a couple of things to notice as we read. First, notice how this comes about, how it is that God does it. How does he decide to make these people his holy, blameless children? Answer, through Jesus, the one he loves. And why? Why, why did God do this? Well, a number of reasons are given here. Uh, because it was his will, he wanted to do it. And because it says it was his pleasure, he, he, he delighted to do it. Uh, it also says because of his love. And, and it says for the praise of his glorious grace so that God's people would always, into eternity, praise him. Before he even made the world... God already loved these people. And he had chosen a magnificent destiny for them. Verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Before creation. Paul now moves uh, on to the time when Jesus came into this world and he talks about more spiritual blessings that God gave to these people at that time. He says, he says Jesus shed his blood. That is, he, he died on the cross as a sacrifice for them. And, and he says that he did it, that Jesus shed his blood, so that they can be redeemed. Redeemed means bought out of slavery, bought out of slavery to sin and death, uh, brought into God's kingdom. Uh, Paul also says that through God's grace, his kindness, they've been forgiven. Through the death of Jesus, the shedding of his blood, all the wrong things they've ever done are, are, are put aside. The slate is wiped clean. Verse 7. In him, 
We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Chosen in eternity past, uh, redeemed and forgiven when Jesus came. And now Paul moves on to the future. Paul says that God has revealed the future to these people. The future of the universe. It, it might have been a mystery before. It might have been a secret before. But now the secret is out. Where is this universe heading? Paul says, everything will be united under Christ. Jesus will be the king of everyone. His, his enemies will be defeated. His people will be transformed. Everything and everyone will bow the knee to King Jesus. That's where the universe is going, still in verse 8. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. These people have some pretty great stuff, don't they? God has always loved them and determined that they'd be his. When Jesus came, God redeemed them and forgave them. And God has revealed his plan for the future. Every knee will bow to King Jesus. This is great news for these people because, because they are in Jesus' kingdom. They are forgiven. They are redeemed. They are beloved children of God. And now they can see that from eternity to eternity, they are truly blessed. So, so who are they? Who are these blessed people? Paul goes on to say that it's the people who were the first to hope in Christ. Who's he talking about? Do you know what? He's not actually talking about you. Paul is talking about the original Jewish people who trusted in Jesus. People like uh, Peter and John and James. People like Paul himself. They were Jews. They were from the family of Abraham. They, they had all of God's promises that we've learned so much about over these last few months in the book of Genesis. Uh, they now have God's promises fulfilled in Jesus. These, these Jews who have put their trust in Jesus, they are the ones who have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Have a look in verse 11. You'll see it. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who? Who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Wow. I mean, no wonder Paul, he, he blurts out all this praise to God. No wonder he says, wow, God, you are amazing praise be to you no wonder when God has been so good to him and to the other Jews who trusted Jesus after thousands of years God has finally kept his promises well uh, that's 162 words of Paul's prayer his 202 word prayer 
gone. Uh, he, he, he's praised God for his kindness to the saints, these original Jewish Christians. And, and if that were the end of the prayer, well, great news for them. But it wouldn't be such great news for the Ephesian church because many people in the Ephesian church, they weren't Jewish. They were believers in Jesus, but they weren't Jewish. They, they are what is called Gentiles, non-Jewish people. If the prayer ended here, it'd be great news for those first people to put their hope in Christ. But for the Gentiles, well, all they could do would be to, to look on in envy because, because if the prayer ends there, they are they're unchosen, unpredestined, unredeemed, unforgiven. If the prayer ends there, they are looking forward with, with, with fear and terror at this revelation of the end of the universe because they are going to be defeated and destroyed by King Jesus. They are, they are staring down the barrel of a terrifying eternity. But friends, never fear, there are 40 words to go. And, and, and if you're not a Jewish believer in Jesus, you should treasure these 40 words more than diamonds. Because Paul now turns to the Gentile believers in Ephesus and he says something, something wonderful and, and undeserved and, and unexpected. He says they've been included as well. They've been included in Christ. And so they too have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in him. When did it happen? When, when were they included? When they heard and believed the good news about Jesus. And, and how do they know they're included? How do they know they, are, they, they belong to God? Well, because they've received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who has enabled them to call on Jesus as Lord. The Holy Spirit who has, who has enabled them to, to call on God as their Father. The Holy Spirit, Paul says, has been given to them by God as a seal. It's like God's stamp of ownership on them. And Paul says the Holy Spirit is, is, is a deposit. It's a, he's a taste and a guarantee of the glorious future that awaits them. And all, all once again, so that they too can spend eternity praising God for his extraordinary magnificence. Verse 13, read with me and read with me and, and bow in wonder. Verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You know what, as I look at the flow of this passage, I think, it's no big deal, but I think the NIV has made a mistake back in verse 1. They've made a mistake by leaving out that word, and. Because Paul, he's actually writing to two groups of people, isn't he? He's writing to the saints, 
That's the Jewish Christians in this context, the first to put their hope in Jesus, people like Paul himself. But, but praise God, he's not just writing to the saints. He's also writing to the believers in Christ Jesus, the, 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 the Gentiles who, by God's grace, are now also included in the magnificent blessings of the gospel. I reckon it's a shame that the NIV has made this mistake because, because I, th I think if you read this passage... It's very easy to just read the passage and assume, oh, yeah, this is me, this is me, of course. But, but, but if you read this passage as a Gentile and you realise you're actually not there until verse 13, you spend the first 12 verses going, that's great for them, I really want that. It, it should make you all the more grateful, don't you reckon? Because you can see that there's this, um, there's this extra step of, of unexpected grace that would include you in the blessings of the gospel. But friends, here's the upshot. Here's the upshot. If you believe in Jesus, this is all yours. Doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. Doesn't matter who you are. If you are relying on Jesus, you too have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. The thing is, thing is now that you know it's for you now that you know you're included I, I hope you're not going to just let this sort of wash over you this is too good friends to just let it go in one ear and out the other so what, what I want to do now I, I want us to I want us to just think it through again meditate for a while on these blessings these these blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus. Well, blessing number one. Blessing number one. Before he made the world, God already loved you. Be, be, before he made the world, God had already chosen you to be his child. I remember when uh, Carmelina and I had been married for about seven years. Uh, we were coming to the end of our studies. Uh, we were living and working in church here. And we decided that it was time to start a family. And at that point, obviously, I didn't know my children. But, but you know what? I already loved them. I was thrilled at the very idea that they, would, that, that they were going to exist then when they were conceived and in the womb, I mean, I still hadn't met them yet, but already I, I, I loved them. I, I loved to, to feel them moving. And near the end of the pregnancy, I remember if I put my ear to Carmelina's stomach, I, I could even hear their heartbeat. And already I thought they were the absolute bee's knees. I could not wait to meet them. Before I even knew my children, I loved them. Before they were even born, I loved them as my precious children. Friend, friend, just think about it for a moment. If you are in Christ, you are God's beloved child. And he has loved you literally forever. Way before he even made the world, God already 
loved you. Way before he even created the stars, he knew you and he had already determined that you would be his holy, blameless child. And then, and then when, when Jesus came, we come to blessing number two. God redeemed you and forgave you through Jesus' blood. Let's just stop and think about that for a moment. Without Jesus, we were in a desperate situation. We are sinners who have never perfectly loved or obeyed God. Worse than that, we have deliberately disobeyed, ignored and rejected the, the, the maker and the judge of the universe. We are justly objects of his terrifying anger and judgment And there was nothing we could do. We were enslaved. We were, we were slaves to sin and death. We were, we were hopeless. We were hapless. We were hell-bound. Things could not have been worse. But Jesus shed his blood. He, he died in, in agony on that cross. And, and not just physical agony, now, on that cross, Jesus, what he cried, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The, the eternal bond of, of, of love between the Father and the Son somehow took into itself our sin and its consequences. And its consequences. So Jesus, Jesus bore the God-forsakenness that we deserve. How, how, how bad was that? Well, when Jesus contemplated the idea in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweated blood at the thought. I mean, this, this was really, really bad. Jesus, he, he shed his blood on that cross so that we can be redeemed, bought out of slavery to sin and death, brought in to the eternal kingdom of joy. Jesus' wonderful kingdom. Redeemed. And so we can be forgiven. Our sin no longer held against us. Nothing can ever separate us from God's love in Jesus. You're getting just a glimpse of what a blessing this is. Through Jesus, we have gone from the worst possible situation to, to the best possible situation. Literally, he has taken us from hell to heaven Loved by God since eternity. Redeemed and forgiven by Jesus. And, and what's the third great blessing? Uh, God has shown you his plan for the universe. This universe will end with Jesus as Lord. His enemies will be defeated, but you will be transformed and renewed. No more sin, no more sickness, no more mourning or crying or pain, you will be what you were always meant to be and you will delight in God and in all the glorious things that he has in store for your eternity. I, I personally, I quite like mystery and suspense. I enjoy a good thriller movie or a good thriller novel. Uh, but Carmelina, my, my wife, she, she can't stand the suspense um, she hates suspense. So what she does, uh, she always goes to the end. 
She turns to the final page of the book or, or, or she, she looks up the end of the movie. She finds out how it's going to finish and only then can she, can she relax and enjoy the show. Friends, we know the end of our story. There's no suspense. If you are in Christ through the sheer grace and love of God, you have a happy ending. A happy ending to the praise of God's glory and grace. And friend, if you're in Christ, you don't have to wonder about this. You don't have to guess about this. You can be sure that this is all yours. You can be certain because if you're trusting Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God as a seal. Commentator Peter O'Brien, he talks about the idea of, of, of a seal, the ancient idea of a seal in this way. Let me quote from him. He says, In speaking of the Holy Spirit as a seal, the notions of ownership and protection are in view. By giving Gentile believers the Spirit, God seals or stamps them as his own now. And he will protect them through the trials and testings of this life until he takes final possession of them on the day of redemption. Owned and protected. Nothing can separate you from his love. God has sealed you. Or to quote that other famous theologian, Stevie Wonder, signed, sealed, delivered, you're his. The spirit is also a deposit. God, God has laid down his deposit on you. The, the, the deal is done. You belong to God and, and, and the taste that you have by the spirit of, of relationship with God now, it's, it's, it, it's a glimpse and a guarantee of the glorious eternity that awaits you. If you think that by the spirit you're, you're being thrilled by God's word and the concept of his father and his blessings now, well, it's just a tiny taste of what is to come. All these blessings, if you're trusting Jesus, they are yours. This is real. This is yours. It is a sure thing. This is great stuff, isn't it? All right, friends, well, can you see what's here in this passage? It's pretty stunning, isn't it? If you are in Christ, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Before creation, God already loved you and chose you to be his beloved child. When Jesus came, he redeemed you and, and, and he forgave you through his blood. And now you know the future. Every knee will bow to King Jesus and you look forward to being transformed and being in his kingdom in joy forever. If you've believed the message about Jesus, it's all yours guaranteed by the Holy Spirit himself to the praise of the amazing glory and grace and love of God. So friends, how do we apply this passage to ourselves? What do we do with a passage like this? Do you know what? I reckon it's a bit like scuba diving at the bomb here. I reckon it's a bit like it's a bit like standing before Mount Everest. Don't you reckon? I don't think there's anything to do here. There's nothing to do but just, just sit back in wonder. Just say, wow, wow. 
wow, God, you really are utterly magnificent. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, wow. Wow, you are so wonderful and so kind and so glorious. Thank you that you've always known and loved us. Thank you that in Christ you've redeemed and forgiven us. Thank you that we look forward to that day when he is Lord of all and every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord and, and we ourselves will be transformed with no more sin or death or mourning or crying or pain. Lord God, what an extraordinarily wonderful future you have in store for us. It is utterly undeserved. We have done nothing to earn this, nothing but, but sin against you. And so we say thank you. And we say, wow, you really deserve to be praised. In Jesus' name, amen.